71 down, 294 to go. My name is Chris. This is at a theater near me, the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. Today, I'm going to be talking about the movies Gold and the 2022 Oscar nominated shorts in documentary, that block of shorts, uh, as well as discuss the box office report and a couple of things that came up this week that made me a little nervous for the future of the project. Uh, before I go any further though, are you sick of skyrocketing prices and vendors never having anything on the shelf? For 40 years, KL Jack has been the premier industrial supplier in New England. They are a proud family-owned company headquartered in Portland, Maine. They proudly distribute quality brands such as Lennox, 3M, DeWalt, and strong, durable, American-made Viking brand drill bits and cutting tools. Head over to kljack.com right now and use promo code TIM10, that's TIM10, to get 10% off your first online order. Whether you have a job site, factory, diesel truck shop, power plant, school, precast concrete plant, KL Jack has the quality fasteners, abrasives, safety products, cutting tools, and chemicals you need to keep costs down and to keep rolling. KL Jack has locations throughout Maine and New Hampshire, but shipping nationwide daily. Look, you order it, they pack it, they pick it, and they ship it. If you are an electrician, plumber, or work at HVAC, this is a no-brainer. KLJack.com right now. Promo code TIM10, that's TIM10, for 10% off your first online order. Okay, a couple of quick things that came up over the last week that uh, made me think about kind of the fragility of this project. Obviously, both ended up working out and ended up really not being too big of a deal, but if they had happened a different way, it could have been troubling for me. So the first thing that happened is I forgot to tell you guys. So last week when I went to Red River Theater in Concord to see the, I was going there to see the shorts in animation. Um, so I sit down, there's an audience, probably about 12 people there and the shorts start, but it's pretty clearly it's the live action shorts. It's not the animated shorts. Now I really didn't carry the way because I hadn't seen any of the shorts up to that point. So I knew I was going to have to see live action anyway. And I, I just flip them. I was like kind of doing the, the math in my head. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll end up just kind of flipping those two, uh, seeing those two movies. And I knew that they were both be playing throughout the week. So I didn't care. But then about five minutes in a, a woman got up, t- told the, uh, the manager and he went and started the animated shorts. But I was thinking to myself, like this could have been bad just because it was after seven o'clock at night. So it would have been tough for me to scramble to see something else. Let's say for, for whatever reason, they couldn't play the, the animated uh, shorts and I had already seen the live action. So I was like, man, you know, this obviously happened back in January. I talked about it. I think on the King's man episode is when I went to go see King Richard, uh, and they played the King's man instead. Now it wasn't, I ended up, I ended up leaving the theater. I ended up going to see the King's man somewhere else. And it really was early enough in this, in this project here where I had a lot of movies to choose from, but as I keep doing this, you know, obviously my movie options are getting more and more limited. And especially where with Batman coming out and dominating all the screens, there just aren't that many options right now. So for a movie that I'm sitting down for and it's not a matinee, it's an evening showing and it doesn't play, like my options become really limited. So that made me a little nervous, not so much for that exact instance, but just the situation in general. Uh, that could be, that could have been troubling for me. So the other thing that happened actually happened today and it happened right before I was about to tape this. Um, and I'll talk about this movie in the next episode that I, I was, I was going to go see the movie Tyson's Journey. Okay. And I was going to go see that at the AMC in Danvers. 
So I, I have the, I get talked about before, I have the uh, AMC Stubbs, the A-list pass. So how that works is you go on the app and you can reserve whatever movie you're going to see and you pick your seat and you just simply just print out the ticket when you get there. It works really well. So I go on there to do it this morning and I see that, I would say morning, it's like, I don't know, say about noon and I was going to go to the three o'clock showing. And I go to do that and there's no, there's no times for any movies there. And it looks like it's based, like the theater's closed. Like it would be like when they had the blizzards. Like there's no movie times, there's no movies at all. Now, I'm, now I was concerned because I was going to see the movie Tyson's Run. And Tyson's Run is not really playing in many places at all. In fact, I think it was only playing at that AMC. And I think the Majestic in Watertown were the only two places it was, it was showing that were anywhere within like 50 miles of me. And I really did want to see that movie because it's coming out this week. I knew it wouldn't make a lot of money. I knew it would be in and out of theaters really quick. It's kind of like the movie Butter that I talked about last week. It's the same uh, type of film. So I'm like, all right, I want to see this as soon as possible. And I had already had the rest of my week planned out. So I gave them a call and uh, they said that they thought they'd be open later on, but there's a fire alarm going on at the theater and they can't do anything until that fire alarm is taken care of. Uh, an hour later, I checked the app again. And sure enough, like there was still no movie. Like there were no listings at all. So I'm going to end up seeing that at the Majestic 7 in Watertown instead. Um, definitely some, I don't know, the reminder of the fragility I said of all of this is like, oh boy, at any moment this could easily go wrong. And it like it would be completely out of my control, which I mean, what can you do? But I do try to see as many matinees as possible to avoid something like that happening. Sometimes just I have stuff going on in the day and I can't I have to see it in an evening show. Um, but I do see majority matinees. And I also, that's another reason why I, I see, I try to push off seeing the, the more popular movies as late as I can, just so I would have options in case an emergency happened where I, I had to then go see, I mean, worst case scenario, I go and see Uncharted. I mean, at least it's playing everywhere. I would have at least that option. I could see Dog. It's playing a lot of places still too. Um, but that's not something I want to be scrambling around at, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, praying that I can find a theater open around that is playing one of those movies. Okay, let's talk box office. And I kind of want to go in depth with some of these uh, some of these movies just because I just had Jeff on uh, on Saturday and uh, I'd like to kind of build off some of the things we, we spoke about. So like, like I always do, we have kind of the TRA. These are movies that really under no circumstances should I see. Of course, I've seen one of them. It's the Batman made $66 million this weekend. So it dropped 50% from last weekend. I know that sounds like a big drop off, but it's really not, especially for a comic book movie. Um, it's a great, great week for Warner Brothers there. It's up to 238. So this is the first movie from two, 2022 to hit the 200 million mark. Uh, 238 million in uh, basically two weekends is fantastic for the Batman. They should be really happy with that. This has been a huge hit. Um, it's been a cultural phenomenon in a lot of ways. Like people are really talking about this movie, uh, social media or out and about. I feel like this is the one movie. I mean, obviously Spider-Man is going to end up making more money than the Batman ever will. And, it, you know, really carried the box office the entire winter. But the Spider-Man is the third movie in that series. It's like just another Marvel movie. So I didn't have that same like new excitement that the Batman coming out has. So all in all, huge success there. I'm curious to see how that does next week. I know after speaking with Jeff, there are four movies that are being released next week, I believe. Uh, you know, The Outfit, Amma, um, there's an anime movie coming out, and X, uh, the A24 horror movie. But none of those movies, I mean, if any of those movies crack 10 million, people will be happy. So there's no question about it. The Batman will be number one again next week. The only question is, does Batman do 30 million plus again uh, next weekend as well? Number two is Uncharted, made 9 million. 
great weekend for them. The box office this weekend is a huge win for all movies. Um, almost down the line, the movies had very little drop off from last week to this week. So in Charlie with 9 million, only lost 16% from last week. It's up to $113 million. Uh, it's doing really well internationally. So really good news for Sony. You know, think about it. Sony's had Spider-Man and it follows it up with Uncharted. I mean, they're in the Tom Holland business and it's really working out for them. And the number three spot is a movie that is not eligible for this project. Uh, it's BTS Permission to Dance on Stage Soul Live Viewing. BTS is a popular band. Um, and I don't count any live concerts or any live sporting events or anything live as being eligible for this project, but it made $6.8 million uh, in 800 screens. I believe that was only for one night, 8,500 bucks per theater uh, for one night. That's, that's incredible. So uh, I wonder if you'll see more live concerts that would be bad for this project, but I guess it's good for, it's obviously very good for theaters. Plus it just gets people back into movie theaters again. So especially for younger people who might not be that interested in going to the movie theater, that's a big number for, uh, for theaters, for sure. Number four is Dog. Um, this made 5.3 million. So now we're in that tier B, I would say, uh, starting with Dog. This is a movie that has Channing Tatum and a dog in it. It's up to $47 million. These are numbers you would have seen pre-pandemic for a movie like this. I think people were just looking for just really escapism and something to kind of, just kind of a fun movie that's not a superhero movie. And this was the alternative. And this is this is simply one out and it's done really well. Uh, in fifth place is Spider-Man No Way Home, $4 million. It dropped less than 10% from the week before. It's up to 792 million. It's definitely going to crack 800 million. This movie just keeps chugging along. I wonder if Spider-Man No Way Home has some of the things going for it that Titanic did in very late 97 and into 1998, where you had, and Titanic had teenage girls going to see it over and over and over again. And it really, Titanic was number one for a very long time, but then it was in the top 10 for months. And what happened was teenage girls were just really interested in that story. They love Leonardo DiCaprio. It had that PG-13 rating. And because of those factors, they just kept seeing it. It was the same people seeing it, but they were seeing it, the same girls were seeing it over and over and over again. Are, is that happening with Spider-Man? Are teenage boys seeing it over and over and over again? I just don't know, like after 13 weeks, who is still seeing this movie? Like who, what is the audience that it's still pulling from? Or, or it must be repeat viewings, I imagine. It's just such a strange box office. Obviously we're dealing with COVID stuff. So there's a lot of reasons we're having a strange box office, but it's, the box office now is starting to round into shape of being somewhat normal. I know when I had Jeff on, um, on Saturday, we were talking about how the box office for a long time, you'd only see it four or five, maybe six movies crack a million dollars or more. Uh, but in pre-COVID times, you'd have maybe the top 12 movies would all crack a million. Well, this week we have nine different movies cracking a million dollars or more. So like, we're starting to see a normal box office again, but Spider-Man just keeps chugging along. It is really impressive, the numbers it's putting up and just consistently, it, I don't see it going, I don't see it leaving the top 10 anytime soon. In sixth place is Death and Nile. I've already seen that. Made $2.5 million, dropped less than 10%. It's up to 40 million. Look, they're making a sequel to this movie. It's done pretty well internationally. So it, I think it turned a profit or it, it barely will when it's all said and done. Uh, and then obviously once it gets into the streaming or into cable, it'll it'll officially turn a profit. But I guess this series, this franchise will keep chugging along. Brownell seems to keep wanting to do these. I don't know. In seventh place is Radhi Shyam. Um, this is a Indian Hindi movie. Um, we had uh, an Indian movie uh, in the top 10 last week. This is obviously a different one. This is where the box office is a little bizarre, but the good news is this week I have theater counts. In 800 theaters, it made over 2,300 per theater, which is a pretty good number. I mean, if that was got a wide release, we're talking about seven, eight, nine million dollars. 
pretty good opening weekend, especially in COVID time. So I wonder if you'll see more and more of these foreign films, especially uh, Indian films seem to be doing quite well, uh, better than they've ever done in the American box office. In eighth place is Sing 2. It's made $1.5 million. Um, I've already seen that. In ninth place is Jackass Forever. It made $1.1 million. That's up to $56 million. Uh, I'll be seeing that this week. And in 10th place is Scream. Now we have a huge drop off that made 445,000. Uh, the top 20 real quick, I've seen all of them is Cyrano, Marry Me, The Worst Person in the World, Licorice Pizza, The Cursed, Belfast, Encanto, Drive My Car, Moonfall, and West Side Story. So with, with that all said, what's the pathway for the Batman here? So um, next week I mentioned with this four movies coming out, but none of those movies will do very well. I, I said, if any of them cracked 10, that would be crazy. The following week is when we have The Lost City. That's the Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum again, who we know can carry a box office with dog, with him and just a dog. Now he's got Sandra Bullock, Brad Pitt, and Daniel Radcliffe all in this Lost Island movie. So I wonder if Lost Island will be able to take down the Batman. Um, I will say the Batman is going to put up numbers like 66 or 50 or even 40. I don't know if the Lost Island has a chance. But if the Batman over the next couple of weeks is going to drop to say 25, 20 million, if it drops in the teens, you know, two weeks from now, then I think the Lost City can knock it out. But that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But next week, when I talk to you folks, I you can bet any amount of money the Batman will be number one. And it'll be number one by a mile uh, again next weekend. So a quick budget update. I've now spent 2600 bucks, uh, So that would be $36.62 a day or over the course of a year, $13,366. i am hoping over the next few days here, it looks like I'll be going to Regal Fox Run quite a bit. Uh, because I had Regal Unlimited, that should help me as far as not paying anything additional for tickets, as well as not having to go very far as for gas. So I'm hoping to get that number at 13,000. I hope to get that in the 12s by the end of the week. The expense report is once again sponsored by Tom Treshock from CNA Financial Group. Look, he doesn't just specialize in budgets for 42-year-old guys looking to see movies every day. He helps people no matter what stage of life they're in, whether starting a new job, planning for family expenses, or even setting someone up financially for retirement. Give him a call today to schedule a meeting with him to hear how he can help you. Whether today or sometime in the future, you won't know how he can help until you can hear what he does. Call him today at 732-403-7747. Again, that's Tom Treshock at 732-403-7747 to schedule your meeting today registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Security, LLC, PAS, securities, products, and advisory services offered to PS, member FINRA, SIPC. CNA Financial Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS. Tom is a great, friendly guy, very easy to talk to. Give him a call today. He'll be happy to hear, hear from you, and he'll be happy to talk to you about whatever financial issues you're going through. Okay, gold. Gold is not bad. This is the movie with Zac Efron. Uh, you may not even heard of it, which if you haven't, I completely understand. They have done an awful job marketing this. So this is distributed by a company called Madman Entertainment. This is a movie that was shot in Australia. Zac Efron obviously is an American actor and it doesn't have accents. In fact, it goes out of its way not to tell us where this is located. I didn't know this was even set in Australia until I got home and was look, looking it up. And, and then the very first scene is just atrocious. It's Zac Efron. He's on a train. He's on like a kind of a freight train and across from him is a mother and a baby. And you can see Zach and the mother are not connected in any way. 
um, they're just having to go this train together and Zac Efron's eating this like canned food. You can tell he's not doing it, but he's very dirty. You can tell he's, he's struggling. And you can also tell the mother and the baby is struggling. Why else would people be on a, on a freight train? But he goes over and, you know, gives this stranger his food. And you're like, all right, like this is, that's just bad filmmaking. That's the movie like needing to tell us he's a good guy. Like there's more subtle ways for us, the audience to understand that Zac Efron's going to be playing a good man here, someone we should root for. We don't need to have that message smashed over our heads. That's just lazy filmmaking. Um, but the good news is after that scene, though, it's, it is more complex than that. The story itself is quite simple. Uh, Zac Efron needs a ride to get to a different part of this country, and he gets a ride from a stranger. They're driving out there. Along the way, they happen upon a giant they're driving across a desert and they happen upon a like giant rock of gold. It's huge. In fact, it's so big, they can't fit it. They can't even lift it up or get it on, on a truck. They need to get an ex excavator for it. So there's two guys and, and neither guy knows each other very well. Neither guy trusts each other. So they have a discussion about it and it's decided that Zac Efron will stay back with the gold and the other guy will go and get the excavator and come back. So the guy says, we've got four or five day trip, round trip for him to get the excavator and come back. Uh, and that's the story. And then it's basically just Zac Efron with the gold. This is a good movie. This is a movie that probably shouldn't be in movie theaters. This is a perfect Netflix movie. If this pops up on a streaming service, which I, I imagine it will, it's on a streaming service right now, Stan. I believe it's an Australian streaming service, but I'm guessing it will be on Netflix or it'll be on Hulu soon enough. Uh, it's directed by Anthony Hayes, who's in the movie. He plays the, uh, the other guy with Zac Efron that's driving out there that ends up going back for the excavator. It's directed fairly well. It's okay. The script itself doesn't have a lot of dialogue because most of it is just Zac Efron by himself in the desert. But he does a hell of a job. You know, he's a good actor. You know, some of these child stars, especially kind of the teeny bopper ones, you, you kind of roll your eyes and you see they're in a the movie. But sometimes that's really unfair. I mean, I have that same bias myself. I think back to Only Murders in the Building. I saw like Selena Gomez was in that. And I was like, all right, you know, fine. She was really good in that, in that show. And, you know, you think back, a lot of our greatest actors or actresses started off as teenagers. I mean, that's a very common um, starting point for a lot of folks to begin their career. And Zac Efron's no different. And he's, he's the best part of this movie. He's very good. For much of this movie, Zac Efron is sunburned. Uh, he's in the desert by himself. Like, he, it's, not, it's not a glamorous performance by any stretch. And, and he doesn't seem to care. He doesn't shy away from that at all. It's bugs in his face. For a good chunk of the movie, there's flies all over his face. It's one of the least vain performances I've seen from, from an actor like him um, in, in a while. So I give him a lot of credit. Look, this movie is okay. It's going to get a B minus from me, but it's, it's great. It's a great like late night watch. Uh, it's perfect for something like that. Uh, but I got to tell you, I walked away. I'm like, oh, Zac Efron, like he might have like a legit career here. You know, you think back to like Robert Pattinson, you know, he was in those Twilight movies and you kind of rolled your eyes at him and he went on and he worked with a lot of really talented directors and uh, now, you know, he's one of the better actors going today. I mean, Robert Pattinson does a really good job and check out, you know, if you're not even a Batman fan, go check out Good Time. Zac Efron, yeah, he does those sort of high school musical things, whatever, um, but he's in this movie. It's just him out there and I was completely bought in. Um, this movie, the third act of this isn't great. Uh, these kind of movies, they typically aren't. That's certainly not his fault. He's really good. I don't know. His gold is pretty good. The problem with gold, though, like I mentioned, is how this was marketed or how it wasn't marketed. I guess the distribution didn't lead to a lot of theater chains picking it up. Like, for instance, I'm not seeing it at uh, AMC uh, franchises, at least nowhere around me. And if you don't have AMC, you're fucked because that's a third of the, of the movie business is AMC. So you wonder if maybe just because of 
not being uh, an American distributor that led to some hiccups. But for instance, I go on Fandango, the first thing I see is an ad for gold, this movie gold. But then it didn't get a lot of uh, ads on TV. It got a little bit, but not much at all. And then on top of it, it's just not playing at a lot of different theaters. So in a normal year, I might not be as passionate about this because it's, I mean, this is, these sometimes these movies just kind of come and go and you're like, all right, you know, it, it was a, a small movie about a guy in a desert. But where there's so few options out there that are really interesting, smaller movies, this should have gotten more play. I mean, the idea that something like Butter or I could always go back to it, but The King's Daughter or Tiger Rising, you know, some of these movies are, are getting any screens at all. And something like Gold, which is actually a pretty decent movie, um, is you know fighting its way to get to get any sort of presence. That's that's uh, that's unfortunate. I haven't gotten a box office report from it either. Um, I was talking with Jeff about some of these distributors, and he's just not getting some of the reports he typically gets from some of these some of these distributors. And I wonder if this is the case here, where I don't know how Gold did last weekend. Um, I don't know if they sent the report in late, or maybe just because right now it's just estimates. We'll have the hard numbers for the box office tomorrow. It makes it hard to talk about a movie that really needs word of mouth when they're not doing some of the due diligence they need to do, whether it be distributors reaching out to larger theater chains or letting the box office reports know how they did. Like if, you know, if you're going to leave people in the dark, people are not going to talk about your movie. And when you're fighting for any attention at all, it's a strange tactic. Okay. Before I get into the last review, I want to tell you folks about the amazing popcorn at Popped Gourmet Popcorn. Popped has a store in Salem, Massachusetts, but they also have an online store at popstores.com that has over 100 flavors available. They have a full-time popcorn chef comes up with new and creative flavors each week. They also offer bulk popcorn, corporate gifts, wedding bags, and more. They can do almost anything in any size. And best of all, they can ship anywhere. They sent me over a bunch of flavors. They have pizza, Chicago style. That's that combination like cheddar and caramel. Very good. Italian cookie. My personal favorite is salt and vinegar. Popped gourmet popcorn is a perfect option for me when I get home from the movies now that concessions month is over. If you go to popstores.com, that's P-O-P-P-E-D, stores.com, use the promo code movies with Chris, all one word, movies with Chris, C-H-R-I-S, you will save 25% off your entire order. That's movies with Chris. Go check out their flavors right now. Okay, the Oscar nominated shorts for documentary. I went to the Portland Nickelodeon, so it's the same, um, the Patriot Cinemas, whatever they're calling themselves now. Uh, it's the same theater I went to with Tim Ridgels. Uh, and I did get the popcorn, which he suggested. I tried the salt. He said it was like powdered salt. I didn't notice a huge difference with the salt. Salt was fine. The popcorn was was good, uh, like a B plus popcorn. Um, but the, the powdered salt he was raving about, I don't, I don't, I didn't quite get that same uh, great salt experience that he had. It was fine. Good popcorn there though. It was in a different theater uh, for this for this time, but I was when I saw the movie with Tim. Once again, in this theater though, a lot of the armrests are ripped out. And the problem is with these armrests ripped out, it just leaves like a black plastic like shell of where the armrest used to be, or the cushion used to be. If you put your arm there, it really, it's not comfortable. It like hurts. <laughs> Luckily, I was uh, one of only two people in the theater for this one. So I was able to kind of go wherever I wanted to go. And I sat, I was able to find a seat that did have both armrests available. But uh, I mean, they got to fix these armrests. I don't know what's going on over there. I'll go over these quick because I doubt many people are going to see some of these, but two of these are actually available though on, on Netflix. The first short I saw was Audible. This is out of the United States. This is about a deaf school, um, high school that has a football team. 
And the football team is remarkably good. They had a 42-game winning streak. One coach is playing against them, and he's like, he's telling the players, he's like, you can't look at them being deaf as a handicap. They're going to use it as a strength, and they do. They're able to uh, use sign language to give themselves codes on the playing field, and then because they're deaf, they are incredibly focused on specific plays, and they and plus they all work their ass off, and they they do a they do a great job on the football field. The short itself is fairly paint by numbers. Um, there is one very sad story they tell about a former student that killed himself because uh, he had left the school and went into a traditional high school and was ostracized and, and um, ended up taking his own life. And you could see that kind of have that effect on a lot of the other players. This, this player was once on their football team and um, they're still obviously really broken up about this and they, they dedicate um, the season to him. And it's, that story itself was interesting, and the story of these guys is interesting, but it, it went through a, a few different players, and it didn't stick with one particular story long enough. I think this could have been an interesting story. I didn't love how it was shot. It's very much like the show Friday Night Lights. It just didn't feel unique or new, uh, new enough for me as far as how this was produced. It was fine. Uh, I'm going to give this entire block, by the way, a C. Um, I will say none of the documentary shorts or as good as the worst live action short. Um, those, those, that's the one to catch. But none of these are bad either. They're right, right, right in the smack in the middle, all of these. The next short is called When We Were Boys. This is out of Germany and the US. Uh, but it's about a 1964 fifth grade class that had bullied a child. And then through a connection from the, um, from the director and his narrator, they realized they were in the same class. They uh, met 20 years later and they realized that. And then they ended up bringing the entire class together and interviewed he the director excuse me interviewed everyone in the class about this event some didn't remember it some did uh but the conclusion is is really doesn't quite work for me it's not certainly not a bad short i i found that was interesting is kind of how these people evolve what happens in their lives i would recommend checking out the documentary seven up it's out of England. It is on BritBox, which is a streaming service they have in England, but it's seven up, 14 up, 21 up, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it visits these, these kids every seven years of their life. So you see these, these one-time children grow up into adults and you see how some of them have very successful lives, lives some of them struggle, uh, some have families, some don't. It's a really interesting documentary. It's one of my favorite things I saw during the pandemic. I think it's all the way up to 56 up at this point. Um, it's very, very, very good. I can't recommend that enough. So I would definitely, if you have ability to get BritBox or you're able to see those, it starts with 7up. 7up itself is like a, it's like a 25 minute. It's, it's from like the 1960s. It's very quick. But then to see these kids and to see time move on, it's fascinating. And it had the same director for a good chunk of it, Michael Apted. He just recently passed away. But having the same director meet with the same people every seven years, it is just an absolutely fascinating, emotional, wild ride. Uh, and it's just, it's some, in some ways, it's very ordinary, but it's incredibly brilliant. So I, I definitely recommend the 7-Up series. Uh, this next documentary was is on Netflix. It's called Three Songs for Benazir. It's from Afghanistan. It tells the story of a young man who is married with a baby on the way that wants to join the military and his family won't allow it. Um, it's, I don't really love, I, the setting is amazing. It's all, it's, you, you see a part of Afghanistan you don't typically see, you know, if you just watch the news, you're seeing someone's kind of day-to-day -day life. And this guy is very frustrated. He, he makes bricks for a living. Um, but it's just basically him just getting a mold and trying to make these bricks. And he's very frustrated. He wants to do more. 
and he wants to be more and his family just keeps throwing up roadblock after roadblock, but he loves his wife very much and he's a very interesting person. But I, I just didn't love necessarily how it was shot and edited. It's fine. It's on, it's on Netflix right now. Three songs for Ben Azir, if that sounds like something that would interest you. Uh, the next documentary is the one I would, I would, I hope wins. It's called Leave Me Home. This is also on Netflix. And this is about the homeless problem on the West Coast. There are elements of this short that I really loved and elements I was really frustrated with. The short spent a lot of time with kind of crane shots of, or drone shots, excuse me, of city streets to kind of show you some of the homeless camps that exist. And it's very sad. And certainly the first couple you see is very, very sad to see. But then it breaks away and it shows an uh, intake questions that homeless people are asked before they enter a shelter. And hearing those stories was so powerful. I really wanted to, to hear more of that. It was just them answering simple questions. Uh, but some of their stories, I mean, how they got to that place or um, even questions like, do you have family? And one guy starts to answer and he just completely breaks down. You could tell from the other question he had, he at one time had a relationship with his brother and they never quite say exactly the relationship. Obviously, relationship is not good, I can't imagine, but you don't really know exactly what happened here. But just seeing his face fall and this grown man just fall apart, you're like, oh, there's some huge trauma there, obviously. And it, it's really, it was just very moving. And then it would cut away from the intake questions and it would go back to another like city street or go back to like a political meeting or like a town hall meeting where people are upset that they want to put a homeless shelter in their neighborhood. And I, those are all, I understand like what the director is trying to get across there. But like, I would have much rather heard from the people themselves. Like I think some more simplicity would have really helped this documentary. I could have just taken uh, a documentary of this intake and, you know, focus on a half dozen of these homeless people and hearing their stories and seeing their faces and, and just what they had to say. It was, it was very moving. Um, this is called Leave Me Home. It's on Netflix. If that's something that interests you. And the last one is called The Queen of Basketball. This is from, uh, from the United States as well. It's from a New York Times documentary, sort of a 30 for 30 type documentary uh, of a, a woman basketball player in the 70s. Her name is Lucy Harris. Uh, and at one time, she was the greatest women's basketball player in the country. Uh, her school won three titles in a row. I had never heard of her. Um, so I, I definitely enjoyed hearing her story. I just feel it was very safe in a way. Like, I guess she ended up later on in her life had some mental health issues. And as an adult, she's in a wheelchair, which is, but we don't ever find out why. I feel it leaves a lot of that out and it kind of just goes over her glory days, which is, which is fine. And, and it's definitely an interesting story I learned about. But if we're going to focus on her, I would have liked to learn more about her. Um, so, and she seemed like a very open, honest person who, obviously, I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes, but she seemed very willing to talk about things, um, at least from how this is edited, at least. Uh, I don't know. I, I would have liked to heard more of her entire story as opposed to just when she was really good at basketball, but that's called the queen of basketball. So I said, none of these are bad. Uh, none of them blew me away. I think leave me home is the best just because of, of the, that intake interview stuff is, was just really, really powerful. I will be back on Wednesday. I will talk to you folks then.